0: Here he is. John 19, verse 17 through 30. There's seven words that Jesus spoke from the cross. John mentions a few of them. And we're going to consider the third word that Jesus spoke from the cross. And that's from John 19, 25 to 27. But we begin reading at verse 17 of John 19. And he bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called, in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. And therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from top in one piece. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now therefore stood by the cross of Jesus. These are words of our focus this morning, 25 to 27. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, and the disciple, whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on his and put it to his mouth. So, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. I'm just going to read 25 to 27 once more. Now, there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, the disciple whom he loved standing by, He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her to his own home. So I'd like to focus on those words for a few moments. You know the word of Jesus from the cross is this word particularly. All the words are, but this word too Particularly full of affection, full of love, and you can say it's very touching. His own mother is at the cross. And she doesn't realize that the, the weight, the fullness of the weight that Jesus is bearing on the cross. We just read from Isaiah 53, right? He poured out his soul unto death and also that he was numbered with the transgressors, rejected by God, rejected by men. And yet in the midst of it all, Jesus does not forget his mother. He did not neglect her, even in the most painful part of his suffering. Even in his rejection, in his agony, his terrible suffering on the cross in the place of sinners, you know, if you see our Savior, He's remembering others. Sometimes when we are in bad shape, we only think about ourselves. We hear Christ, He came for others. He came to bear the sins of others. He came to bear infinite uh, hell for others. And here we see Him from the cross, remembering others. He remembers the murderers. He remembers His murderers, His executioners, by praying for them. Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. He remembers the one who was hanging him, hanging beside him on the cross, next to him. This man repented, seeing and hearing the Lord Jesus. And Jesus says, Today you will be with me in paradise. He gave his soul unto death. He gave his soul for the lives of many. He remembered. And now Jesus as he draws some of his last moments of his breath, right? He remembers his mother. Yeah, he sees his mother standing nearby the cross. He sees her pain. He sees her grief, which mother wouldn't for their own son. And think about the fact that the crowds have been mocking him. They've been striking him. They've been pulling out his hair. They've been beating him. His soldiers have stripped him of his clothes. Mary's son. And as Jesus hangs on the cross, drawing those last breaths, you hear him addressing his mother Woman, behold your son. And he says to the disciple, the one whom he loved, Behold your mother. What we see here is his care for the needs of his mother. That's really the whole point here. He shows his care for the needs of his mother. And he does that in two ways. By giving her a son. By giving her a son. But also he shows his care for her by showing that he is her savior. That's even more important here that he is her Savior. but Look at verses 26 and 27. Jesus cares for the needs of his mother by giving to her a son. Who's standing here at the cross? There are many. There were a number of people standing by the cross, but John here mentions four. He mentions Jesus' mother, Mary, and she's also there with Jesus' aunt, Mary's sister. That was probably Salome. And there's also Mary, the wife of Clopas, was likely the aunt of Jesus from Joseph's side. And you have Mary Magdalene, the one whom Jesus cast out seven demons. And then there's mentioned here the most beloved disciple who is John. John doesn't mention his own name here, but that's who he's referring to. The most of, his most beloved disciple, John. So there's five names mentioned here: four women, mostly relatives, and then John himself. This as well. Jesus has not been deserted by everybody. He's not been des- deserted by everyone. Relatives, among other followers, were standing nearby and they just see this scene of one being hung on the cursed cross. His mother, the closest relation to him, sees him in all his grief, right? She sees him despised and rejected by men. We might think, what man would not be comforted by having his mother at his deathbed? That would be one of the most, people, most important people to be at your side. But even then, think of those words which were spoken by Simeon. Remember way back in Luke 2.35 when Jesus was born? Simeon held Jesus up in his arms, and he said to Mary, his mother... He says, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken. And then he says, Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Mary's soul is being pierced by what she sees. Arthur Pink, in his book, The Seven Sayings from the Cross, he writes this. He describes this touching scene in this way. He says, She saw the brow of Jesus pierced with cruel thorns, but she could not smooth it over with her gentle touch. She couldn't touch him. She washed his pierced hands and feet grown numb and limp, but she could not soothe them. She marks his need of a drink, but she's not allowed to satisfy his thirst. All those things that one at the side of a deathbed may do, right? The sense of touch. The sense of providing, the sense of comfort, she would not. She was, she was not able to. She did not. She suffered in profound desolation of spirit. You may wonder why. We'll hear some of those answers a little bit later. But you see here, the Son of God, in his final moments of his life on the cross, he knows his mother's needs perfectly, and just as he knows all your needs. And here he shows his mother honor. He perfectly obeys the fifth commandment. You talk about one who honored his parents, or his parents, that was Christ himself. He obeyed perfectly those words of the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. You see it. In his tender love, in his tender care, in his tender action towards her. He says to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And to the disciple standing next to her, he says, Behold your, mo- your mother. What does he do? He hands over the care of his mother to his beloved disciple, to the disciple whom he loved. And that is to John. From now on, John would be her son, right? This one would be John's mother, right? Jesus hands over the responsibility of his mother to John. So we think about it this time, too. Mary was probably likely a widow, right? Her her husband Joseph had probably died by this time. We don't. Hear any mention of Joseph anymore? And then you begin to ask, "Well, what about Mary's other sons, the younger sons of Christ? Why might Jesus not be entrusted? Why might Jesus not entrust the care of a Mary into her other son's care? I mean, that was not the custom of the day. The, the custom of the day was that if one son couldn't do it, then you could pass on the responsibility to the next sons." But we know also from John 7 verse 5 that his brothers did not believe in him. But whatever the reason for not putting mother into the care of the other sons, this, there's something very unique here. This new relationship between Mary and John illustrates for us the provision Christ makes for believers in the family of Christ. This is so much more important. He makes provision for his mother, right, in the family of Christ, among the family of believers. This is number one. He wanted the best for her. That's what he wanted. He wanted the best for her. He honors her. And he shows the importance of honoring, of course, our parents, That's on one level. That's not the most important message here, though. An important lesson, a more important lesson can be learned from the word of Jesus from the cross. Because one of the gifts Jesus gave us from the cross was the church. The church is the only institution that lasts forever and ever and ever. He gave us the gift of the church from the cross. You could say a loving, caring family, which is beyond blood family. It's his flock, which he purchased with his blood. Remember Jesus' earlier words to his disciples. He says, "And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or fields, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much. Jesus honors his mother, because he knows that his mother would receive a hundred times more being with fellow believers, support. Encouragement, love, exhortation, conviction, all those things, a hundred times more, (laughs) and eternal life. Jesus knows what he's doing. He hands him over. He, He hands his mother over to his beloved disciple. But there's more here. By entrusting his mother to John, he shows that her task as mother Her calling as mother to him is now finished. That blood relationship is severed. It's done. Even now on, from now on, he will no longer have a mother. His work on earth is finished. And that also includes the relationships, the blood relationships with his family members. The work his father gave him to do on earth is now complete. And just before he says it is finished, moments before, that's when he hands over the responsibility of his mother to his beloved disciple John. You know, that brings us to our second point. You know, Jesus really shows care for the soul of Mary. More important than blood relationship is the soul of Mary, is the soul of Mary. Is the, is the spiritual state of relatives. He shows his care for the needs of his mother, second of all, by showing that he is her Savior. Just bring out three little points under this. Notice if you look at the words again, at verse 26, does he say, Mother, behold your son? Doesn't say mother, he's just woman behold your son. Already there you see Christ severing his relationship, his blood, not relationship, but his blood connection with his mother. By saying woman, he in no way intends disrespect. He intends no way to show lack of affection. As a matter of fact, he shows more affection because he's being honest with her. He's being real with her. He wants to get to the point with her. Why does he address her as a woman, not as mother? Three short reasons. First, Jesus' mother must not see that she is, first of all, losing her son. No. But God is giving up his son. He's giving up his only begotten son. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Mary, you must see me as one whom God, my Father, is giving up for your salvation, for the salvation from your sins. Not only your sins, but for the sins of all my people, all all the people that my Father has given to me. And now she may be perhaps begins to realize that Christ's suffering is more than just physical, but he's bearing on his back the weight also of her sins and the sins of all his people on his back. Tremendous grief, tremendous suffering for Christ. Yes, coming to the foot of the cross, she must Like everyone, receive Christ by faith. She must see him no longer as her son, but as her Savior. That's even closer yet. That's even more intimate yet. The one who gave his life for me, who shed his blood for me to forgive me, to take the punishment for me, the full payment of the debt of sin for me so that I might have eternal life. That's even more special. By addressing her as a woman, the suffering Son of God on the cross shows true, real, genuine care for her mother. Boy, would that we do that in all our family relationships, right? First of all, what's your relationship with Christ? Right? That's the most important thing. By faith. By addressing her as woman, he was directing her into his love, which knows Christ no more according to the flesh, but in a spiritual way. Another may we regard him according to the flesh. Sometimes people see only Christ's physical suffering, and they're moved so emotionally. Right? They weep, they cry, maybe when they see a, a picture of Christ hanging from the cross. But that's not as great as suffering. His greatest suffering was bearing the wrath of God for my sin, your sin. Your sin is, our sin is so much that it put the weight of that grief upon him, that burden upon him, as he himself, in our place, obeyed God's law perfectly and also took the punishment by paying the full price for our sins. So yeah, the call here then is weep not seeing Jesus on the cross. Don't weep because you see him on the cross. Yeah, It's, it's a horrible sight. There's no beauty. There's no majesty attracted us to him. It's a horrible sight. People cry when they see those scenes. But don't weep for that. Weep for your sins which brought him to the cross. Weep for your sins which brought him upon that cross. That's what we ought to weep for. So that's the first thing. Right? Mary must no longer see Jesus as her son, but as her savior. The second thing, Jesus addresses her as woman because she must no longer see herself as mother, as his mother, but become his disciple. He was going to do the work he had to do. And no one, not even his own mother, was allowed to step in the way or stand in the way of Christ accomplishing the full redemption that he came to accomplish for his people on the cross. Mother, you're tempting me. It was a strong temptation to give in. For Jesus, she was a temptation to not do the work of the Father that the Father gave him to do, to complete it to its very end. Oh, if he could only come off the cross and give her one more big hug. Mary. He had to speak that word. Woman, behold your son. Blood relationships was not allowed to get in the way of Christ's work, of Christ's word. You know, there's no special inside track. The way in, the way in is the same for all, whether he be the thief hanging on the cross beside him or his dear mother standing by the cross near him. The way in, the way in is by faith alone and Christ alone for your salvation. Just because Mary was a family member, or you could say just because Christians have other have children who are born to Christians, doesn't mean that they should not come personally in faith. Oh yes, Everyone, the way in is always through faith in Christ. By addressing her as a woman, Jesus shows true care. He shows honest care, direct care. right? It, it uncovers a lot of the layers of emotions and say, Mary, we have to get to the point here. Mary must come to him with the faith as a disciple, not as a mother. You see how Jesus shows such true care for his, her soul? You know what? Christ refrains from using the word mother. And you see from this that he will not and does not encourage the veneration and honor of Mary. It is so wrong. It is so wrong. Christ severed that relationship, of, that blood relationship with his mother at the cross. That honor belongs exclusively to Christ. Think of 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. There's only one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. By addressing her as woman, Christ shows the church that she herself is not to be prayed to, to be trusted in, to be honored as a co-mediator, nor as the queen of heaven. It's idolatry. And furthermore, this undermines Christ's all-sufficient work. All the glory goes to him for all the work that he has done on the cross for salvation, even suffering the infinite fires of hell, taking that upon himself for our sins. Mary gets no glory in this. She shares not at all in this work. That's why Christ distanced himself from her at the cross because he loved her if he gave her a hug there would be no church because it means we'd have to come off the cross the plain sense of Christ's word from the cross is that his mother needed care and protection she's not a helper in any way of Jesus to get people to heaven she needs the exact same help that you and I do or need I like the way one commentator says it. Our Lord's design was not to provide for John, but to provide for his mother. Right? Hand it over, blood relationship finished. Finally, from the cross, Jesus addresses his mother as a woman because the church is her now new spiritual family. The most important relationships you could ever have on earth. <laughs> There's a relationship between brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, with the death of Christ on the cross, you see the gift of the new family of faith. The family of faith on the cross. It was going to come moments, or you could say days later. That's one of the gifts that come from the cross. A church which he bought with his own blood. That's why he hung there. The church is the family of Christ. And therefore Jesus severed his blood ties. Jesus cared for his mother in her need. How much more he is eager to care for his disciples who hear God's word and do it. That's, that's the most intimate relationships he has. Those who hear God's word and, and, and do it and does it. Remember what he said earlier in Mark chapter 3? Jesus says, remember his mother and his brothers and sisters came to him? He distances himself from that. And what did he say? He said, Whoever does the will of God God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. I like the way Piper says it. By trusting in Christ and obeying his word, this relationship to Jesus is far more intimate. And we are more certain to be heard than even his nearest family members. (laughs) Right? For us, we tend to think blood and faith, but Jesus sees faith first, the faith family first. This is the most intimate relationship. That's why he hands Mother Mary over to John the disciple. That's why he distances himself from her, because he wants to get to the point. It's the point of knowing Christ. By God's grace, what do we see here? Mary assembles. You know, Mary is mentioned once more after Christ's death and resurrection, and that's in Acts chapter 1. You never see her name again. But you see the fruit of faith in Mary's life. Mary assembles with other believers in Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 20. After his ascension, where in the upper room, you see in Acts 1, 12 through 14, we read here that the women were present. And then it says, Mary, the mother of Jesus, that's only a way to identify her, and his brothers were also among the followers. Mary's presence is noted. And then there's no mention of her again. Christ did his work for her. Christ's word from the cross had a powerful effect. Mary joined. Christ's family by faith. And we too need a Savior from sin. And by faith, we must also come to him and we can sing, All that I need, your hand has provided above all the provision of redemption. You know, he does so. He provides the needs for the anxious, for the stressed, for the distressed, all that you need, all that you need, you'll find in Him. That resonated with Mary. That resonates for all who come to Him in faith. All that you need is found in Him. So, yeah, like Mary, we come to the foot of the cross. Piper notes that if Jesus could provide for the needs of His own in a moment, of his deepest weakness and humiliation on the cross, how much more he can provide for you for your need in his power and his exaltation as king. Philippians says it this way, and my God shall supply all our need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, all because of his finished work on the cross. Through his death and curse, all who trust in the crucified Christ alone Received that promise of blessing and eternal life. He was cursed, so that by faith in Him, we are blessed. He was rejected, so that we are accepted. That's what makes Good Friday good. And so take courage. Take courage in His care, in His power, in His provision. Let us come boldly, says Hebrews 4.15, to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our own time of need. Amen.